Have you heard what's happening in Calgary, Canada? Home to some of the world's best researchers and innovators in life sciences, Calgary is advancing healthcare solutions to solve global challenges. Calgary's dedication to the life sciences sector is evident in its labs, hospitals, schools, and the minds of its people. With its top institutions producing internationally recognized research and more than 110 life science companies backed by a highly skilled pool of talent, the life sciences sector is accelerating innovation in Calgary. If you're a bright mind or a bright company, Calgary is just the place for you. Take a closer look at calgarylifesciences.com. Before we get started this week, I wanted to tell you about the digital library from Deep Dive. How much time does your team spend looking for research papers? Google, PubMed, social media. There's got to be a better way. You can now search a reference database of 100 million scientific papers and read the full text of 20 million articles, annotate them, and share with colleagues. It's the smarter way to do research. Here's the best part. If you're like me and been frustrated by not being able to access articles you find because they're behind a paywall, I've got good news. With Deep Dive, you get one-stop affordable research. If you're a listener of the BioReport, you can try the enterprise version of the service for free for one month. Go to deepdive.com forward slash podcast and enter the code BIOREPORT. That's deepdive, D-E-E-P-D-Y-V-E dot com forward slash podcast. And the code is BIOREPORT, one word, all caps. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. The discovery and cell line development of biotherapeutics has been traditionally a distinct process. Absai is taking what it describes as a more holistic approach by collapsing the process down and addressing the functionality and manufacturing of therapeutic candidates simultaneously. We spoke to Sean McLean, founder and CEO of Absai, about how it is using AI and synthetic biology to reinvent the discovery process, how this is expanding the therapeutic potential of proteins, and how it translates into time and cost benefits. Sean, thanks for joining us. Danny, it's great to be here. We're going to talk about Absci, its platform technology for therapeutic discovery of biologics, and its potential to improve the process of bringing biologics into development. But before we get into how the platform works, though, I, I thought we could start with the problem of discovery of biologics today. What problems were you trying to solve? What 
opportunities did you see for improving the process? Yeah, so if you look at the biopharmaceutical drug discovery and biomanufacturing process, it's completely disjointed stepwise and has a couple key failure points that attribute taking years to go from idea to drug in the clinic. And what we're doing here at Absci is, is collapsing that into a single step that we call our integrated drug creation platform that allows us to go from idea to drug in the clinic in not years, but in weeks or months. And not only that, we're enabling new classes of biotherapeutics to reach patients that previously have been unattainable. Our partners like Merck and Astellas are so excited about our technology because they're able to take the ideas that they've always had on how to better engineer these protein-based therapies and actually make that a, a reality. And then finally, we're, we're able to help lower the cost of goods as well by 50 to 75%. This is a truly holistic ap approach to drug discovery and development. One of the consequences of this is you don't separate cell line development from discovery. Can you explain how that's normally done within the industry and what unifying this process does? Yeah. So the two key problems that you normally have within drug discovery is first is the molecular reformatting. So you usually have to start off with phage display or yeast display, uh, displaying an antibody fragment on the, on the cell surface. And then once you find a, a hit or a candidate that has the affinity that, that you're looking for, for the drug candidate, you then have to reformat that into whatever modality you want to go into. For simplicity's sake, let's just say it's a full-length antibody. So you're going from a, an SCFE reformatting that to a full-length antibody. And a lot of times what you see is the drug-like attributes you were screening for don't always translate once, you're, uh, once you've molecularly reformatted. So you have to then go and start the process over again or take a suboptimal hit forward. And the second key failure point is the transitioning between cell lines. So you have to start off with uh, screening and phage display or yeast display. And then once you find, find a hit, you go into a transient cell line. And then from there, you have to build a stable CHO cell line. And a lot of times what ends up uh, occurring is that pharma uh, companies will find really exciting new, new hits, but by the time they... Uh, find a, a CHO cell line that's, that, that's stable, the yields and the quality isn't where it needs to be in order to progress it to the clinic. And so they ended up having to, to shelve these, these candidates. And what we've done here at Absci is eliminated those two key failure points. Again, the molecular reformatting and the switching between cell lines. And we are able to uh, discover the drug candidate at the exact same time, um, we're, we're developing the, the cell line. So we're doing simultaneous drug discovery and, and cell line development and, and collapsing this all into uh, a single step. And one of the beautiful parts about this um, platform and technology is that we are able to screen billions of different cell and drug candidates all at the exact same time. So in a single experiment, we're able to look at drug functionality and manufacturability. So essentially looking at the drug affinity, the titer, and the quality. And uh, that's what we're feeding into our deep learning models. But uh, to, to, uh, so, so that's, 
a high level overview of, of how we're collapsing it into, into a single step and really changing the paradigm of drug discovery and cell line development. You're using artificial intelligence in this process. As I understand it, you use this to make what you call non-obvious predictions about optimal drug candidate sequences and cell line design. How does your AI system work? What are the inputs it's considering? And on what kind of predictions is it making about the outputs? Is it giving you a, a gene sequence, an RNA sequence, a, a structure of a protein? Yeah, so what we're feeding into our, our deep learning models is, and to train them is data on the protein uh, affinity, the, the titer and the, the quality, as well as the target uh, sequence that they're going to be binding to. And uh, eventually where, where we're headed with all of this is once we've fed the, the models with enough data we'll get to the point where we're able to predict the, the absolute best drug candidate for a particular target. So then the input would be the target sequence. And then the, the output would then be the protein sequence that has all of the drug-like attributes that we want, uh, such as binding affinity, low immunogenicity, you know, predicting the modality. And then additionally, Again, this is a holistic approach. So we're also taking into account the manufacturing, being able to predict the associated cell line that then will manufacture at the high titers and, and high quality. And this is, you know, really the future. It's uh, our, our vision is to become the Google index search of protein-based drug discovery and biomanufacturing. Well, let, let's walk through the discovery process with your platform. When most synthetic biologists talk, they talk about a a four-step design, build, test, and learn cycle. And I noticed you have a process that sounds a lot like this, but has a few more steps in there. How do you go about target discovery? Yeah, so we recently acquired a company, Toshent, that had really exciting target and drug discovery technologies where they are able to take patient samples and be able to uh, do bulk RNA seq on those patient samples and extract out uh, uh, new antibodies. And what we then do is is pan those antibodies against all the the, the you know proteins in, in in the proteome to find new novel targets to to go after. And so to to give an example of this, uh, Toshent uh, during the pandemic was able to take uh, lung fluid samples for, from patients that, that had COVID and be able to extract out the, the antibodies from bulk RNA-seq data. And, uh, and, and they found 15 neutralizing uh, antibodies. And there's been papers that have been shown that there are different immune responses in, in different, uh, uh, you know, tissues and, and areas within in the body. And so we're, we're actually, you know, getting a, a very different immune response from the, the samples from the lung fluid than you'd get from, you know, B cells um, and, and doing, you know, single cell sequencing from, from those. And, and so uh, that then integrates into, into our platform to allow us to, again, go from the patient samples, discover the brand new targets and then develop the best uh, drug assets uh, towards those new uh, new targets for all those various indications. So how do you go from there to designing antibodies? 
Yeah, so the great thing about the, the Totion platform is uh, the, the antibody that helped you discover the new target can be the, uh, the, the starting point for the drug discovery. So we can use that to uh, determine if we should do further modifications to, to that antibody and, um, and put it in the, the modality that will work best for the biology that we're trying to solve for. So from that point, you're able to construct a large number of genetically distinct versions of cells to make that protein of interest. How large a population of cells do you create and how much variation is there in the end product? Are they different proteins or variations on the same protein? Yeah, so we usually build a, a billion-member library looking at all the, the, the permutations in, you know, in, a, in a CDR region, and we then uh, screen that in our, our assays. And uh, fr- from there, we then you know, down-select to the top uh, 1,000, and we then take those through more uh, extensive screening and also ensure that uh, the the hits that we have will also scale up for for uh, GMP manufacturing, so everything is is fully scalable. And we utilize our deep learning technologies to help us predict the best billion member libraries we should be using for that given target. And to to be able to screen you know billions of different you know drug candidates in in the exact format. That, that goes into patients is, is a huge, um, uh, huge innovation because currently being able to, to screen in the, in the exact format that goes into patients, you're maybe screening thousands maybe or, or you know, tens of thousands. We're screening billions. And so that's, a, that's been a huge breakthrough. But uh, if you actually compare that, though, uh, to uh, uh, the, the variance in an antibody uh, sequence. There are more sequence variants in an antibody than there are atoms in, in the universe. So when you compare atoms in the universe to, to, to billions, billions doesn't sound like a huge innovation. And that's where deep learning comes in. Essentially, we're, we're able to sift through all the potential ev- evolutionary paths and predict the best billion member library we should be using or the best billion member sequences we should be using uh, to screen against a particular target or indication. And once you have all these cells, how do you pick the best ones? Yeah, so we uh, the, the assay is built on flow cytometry, and so we're, we're we essentially are are able to uh, through flow sorting pick out the the top hits that have the high titer and the high affinity that we're looking for, and then from there we we take the the top thousand hits and and again do do more extensive uh, uh, characterization on those are there bottlenecks in traditional cell development that your system is able to bypass yeah I would say one of the the great things about our platform is that we are screening uh, our in in an e coli cell so there's a lot of advantages screening in e coli versus uh, CHO or mammalian cells, uh, you know, first is cycle time. So we're able to, to move a lot quicker. You know, we, we have two-day fermentation times uh, in, in E. coli versus, you know, 14 to 21 days in mammalian or CHO cells. 
Additionally, it's it's a lot easier to engineer and uh, and manipulate, and we you know the ability to generate the billions of different data points and run the types of assays that we've developed. We wouldn't be able to do that with uh, Cho cells. And you know the the last piece is uh, the ability to lower cost of goods by you know fifty to seventy five percent by being in, in E. coli. And so those are the major. Uh, advantages um, that we have when it comes to the the cell line development. One of the things you did this year is acquire Denovium, an AI deep learning company. You generate tons of data in your process. How have you incorporated the technology into your process and what do you expect that payoff to be? Yeah. So we are generating Billions of, of different uh, data points uh, through our, our breakthrough assays, again, on, on protein functionality and manufacturability. And it got to the point where we're like, wow, we're generating so much data. Like, what better use than to feed all of this data into deep learning? And we always look at, you know, whether we should, you know, build out capabilities in-house or we should go out and acquire them. And we had an, a, a, an initial partnership with Denovium and had some great success and decided that it would be best to acquire uh, Denovium to, to bring in uh, the deep learning uh, capabilities in, in-house. And what we're currently doing is feeding in all of the data that we've curated and continue to curate into these deep learning models. And what it's allowing us to do is to predict the best billion member library we should be using for every given uh, target that, that we work on. And eventually where we're headed with this and, and what I'm most excited about is, is being able to go fully in silico. So as you train the model with more and more data, you're able to get more predictive. So instead of predicting a billion member library, you start predicting a million, a thousand. And then ultimately we're gonna get to the point where we can take the target sequence, feed that into the model, and be able to then predict the absolute best drug candidate for that particular target, predicting the affinity, the modality, ensuring the lowest immunogenicity, you know, what the half-life should be, the stability, and then also predicting the, the associated cell line to accompany it to ensure that you can get the high titer and the high quality, it literally all done at a click of a button. This is how we're becoming the Google of synthetic biology Think of this as the Google index search of protein-based drug discovery and, and biomanufacturing. It's really the, the merging of AI and deep learning together, or sorry, uh, the, 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 the merging of, of, of biology and deep learning together. And have you had a proof of concept as it were? Can you point to cost or time savings or novel molecules that you've been able to discover that shows this is actually a a better and more efficient way to discover drugs. Yeah. So as, as you had brought up, we had just recently acquired them this year and we've already had some really great um, breakthroughs and, and case studies that have come from the, the integration. And, and the first one is uh, we were able to take a, a cell line development um, program we were working on and feed in that data into the, the deep learning model and be able to, uh, we were able to um, predict and test a, a strain that had 2x the, the titer that we were able to, to develop on our own. 
And one of the chaperones that helped assist with the increase in, in titer was actually a, a chaperone that was not predicted to be a, a chaperone from basic bioinformatics uh, tools. And so we actually discovered this new protein that, uh, that we have found to act like a chaperone that was not a known, known chaperone that increased the, our overall um, titers by, by 2x. And so that's just really scratching the surface of, of where this technology is headed. But in the, in the short time that we've, we've been integrating um, Denovium with, with Absi, uh, the, you know, these are some of the, the exciting breakthroughs that we're, we're seeing. One of the other offerings you have is what you call bionic proteins. These have non-standard amino acids with chemical handles for modifications like pegylation and antibody drug conjugates. What's the range of things you can do with these, and how does it change the process of making things like an antibody drug conjugate? Yeah, so the non-standard amino acids have been around for for quite some time, but one of the issues with existing technologies is the um, the ability to achieve high titers with the non-standard amino acids incorporated, as well as misincorporation uh, or 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 low incorporation rates of the non-standard amino acid. And we have solved both of these um, problems. We're able to get high incorporation rates along with uh, high titers uh, with the non-standard amino acid incorporated into the protein. And the exciting aspect of this is being able to have very site-specific bioconjugation. So wherever you want to put a a bioconjugation such as, you know, piglation or an ADC warhead, uh, you, you can use simple click chemistry to, to have a very homogeneous um, population versus having to use, you know, free cysteines, uh, which can um, be a very um, uh, nasty manufacturing um, process. And, uh, and, and so it really opens up uh, the, the ability to have very site-specific homogeneous um, bioconjugations, which increases overall efficacy. What's the business model? Is the intent to only partner with drug makers or are you developing any products on your own? Great question. So our mission is to change the world one protein at a time with the vision of getting the absolute best drug candidates to patients at, at truly unprecedented speeds. And, uh, and with that, and with being a, a pure play technology company, we felt that for shareholders, as well as seeing that vision through, it was best to partner with large pharma and biotech companies where we develop the drug asset and and the cell line and then out-license it to uh, our partner to then commercialize it and take it through the clinic. And we then are able to share in the upside. So we get milestones and royalties with the drug candidates and cell lines that we develop for our partner. So we get to, to share in the upside without having to take the binary risk of developing our assets ourselves. And it's a very different skill set as well, uh, taking uh, uh, drugs through the clinic versus, uh, you know, staying a pure play uh, technology company. And so we wanted to really focus on what we do best and, uh, and, and be able to serve as many patients as, as possible. Absi raised about $200 million through an IPO in July. 
how far is that money going to take you and how's it being used? Yeah, it is being used to really see our, our vision through. It, it's being used to continue to build out our, our overall uh, capacity uh, to recruit uh, talent and uh, also being invested in ongoing uh, R&D, the, being able to, to, to feed uh, the, the data into our, our deep learning models to, to, you know, to ultimately have us um, go fully in silico. So both on expanding current uh, partnerships, uh, our R&D and, uh, and, and continued uh, you know, talent um, recruitment and acqui- uh, uh, acquisition. Sean McLean, founder and CEO of Absci. Sean, thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.